0: Thanks for joining us today for Ted Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process.
1: Please join us in welcoming Peter Evans. Peter has 26 years of experience in occupational safety and health, as well as risk management experience in general liability and loss prevention for corporate retail and government. Currently, he is Deputy Director for Installation Safety and is appointed as Risk Manager for Marine Corps Base Hawaii. Peter obtained a Bachelor's in Business Management from Champlain College and has a Master's in Engineering from the University of Alabama, Birmingham. He holds board positions for ASSP Hawaii Chapter and National ASSP Advisor for Emerging Professionals Common Interest Group. Peter is also on the board of the Rotary Club in Hawaii and is the Hawaii District Rotary Club Youth Protection Officer. He and his wife, of 27 years, Camille, have two beautiful daughters, Sasha and Tiara. Hey, Peter, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing really well, sir. Thank you. First of all, I'm jealous.
1: uh, You being in Hawaii
2: and uh, (laughs) me being in Wisconsin makes it kind of in January uh, makes me... Very much jealous. Only only about sixty to fifty degree difference. So it's I don't 38, know. Thirty eight, Ted, oh. in January well, here in it, Wisconsin. That's true. It is. So, it so is pretty nice. We are having mild here in Milwaukee.
3: Well, it is pretty cold here in Hawaii. It's about seventy five degrees. So yes, uh, you know, we're hunkering
4: down for sure. Get the jackets out. Yeah, cool. that's right. <laughs> Make go to the grocery store. It could be tough.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that will be tough. First of all, I want to uh, thank our. Co-host here, um, Brad Herta. He's going to be on our podcast today. Barb is going to be off. We have some issues going on within our family that she's going to take care of, so I appreciate her doing that, Uh, but also want to keep going with the podcast. And and Brad is also our business coach, has his own podcast called Blue Collar BS, about more about generational, and that's a great podcast if you want to listen to out there, too, also. So thank you, Brad, for being on and, and Peter. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you, Peter. Yeah, pleasure to meet you. Peter, can you kind of give us just a little bit of a background about you for our listeners, please?
3: Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, I have a total of 27 years uh, experience in safety, a degree in finance, but I've always landed jobs in compliance and loss prevention. So I've always found myself in safety somehow. I have a master's in engineering and I uh, have a business uh, degree. That's my bachelor's. I have two beautiful adult daughters, uh, one beautiful wife of 26 years, all right, uh, and yeah, yeah, just uh, just living life and enjoying every minute of it. I l- I love to play golf, by the way.
4: Oh, good. We should meet up one day and go <laughs> do that. Absolutely. Handicap is where's your index at, roughly? <laughs> on the golf game, what's your what's your golf index on your double digits? I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll go out
3: there and say double digits. I I, I won't say anything. Uh, other than
4: that, but that's okay. It's all know. good. It's a, it's <laughs> the wins out there have to be difficult to play in. I would imagine
3: a little bit, a little bit. It it does become a little challenging, but it's you know we whenever we we get together with a bunch of folks, uh, we always have fun. I have fun golfing by myself as well, so it's not even a big deal. It
4: is a great game for
3: sure. So, Absolutely.
4: So how, as you've kind of been in that compliance space and in different things over your career, how in the last five years have you seen things change?
3: Oh, jeez. It's a lot different. It's a lot different from the last five years. Well, I currently work over. Well, I'm a deputy director here for safety at the Marine Corps Base Hawaii. Safety's always been collateral duty for me. Like I mentioned, I've landed jobs here and there in compliance. Uh, but it's always been the compliance and safety manager, or it's always been the loss prevention and safety manager or operations and safety manager. It was just never a safety manager. You know, luckily, I, I came here as a deputy director at the Marine Corps base uh, here in Hawaii, and it's been a singular duty for me ever since. And um, so just in the last five or six years, being the safety, installation safety um, deputy director, at, you know, I oversee the installation safety office, which includes uh, a bunch of safety specialists, um, explosive safety officer, admin. I've got two uniformed Marines. We support occupational safety and health for civilians. We do a lot of those things. Uh, We oversee contractor operations, military operations, traffic safety, fire safety, ocean safety, so on and so forth. Uh, So anything that has to do with safety, risk to our base, it comes through our office. So we're definitely busy. But in total contrast of what I did in the last 20 something years over in the private sector, I've always worked safety as a system of checks and balances or checks and audits, I should say we would have this checklist with common OSHA touch points that we would inspect, you know, stuff like, you uh, know, our extension course being used as temporary use of power, our PLE power lifting equipment being inspected monthly or wash stations being inspected weekly. You know, we've had this model. It was funny. um, Inspect what we expect. And it was just that uh, it was just a checklist with yes or no or N.A., and a little section in the, in the end where you notate your deep, uh, in detail, some of your findings. Then you go and discuss your findings with management and hope they correct it right away, or else you would, uh, be chasing them. And, and after all of that, you'd file your audit so that, uh, when you're audited, you can say that you, you did your job. And I always called this not fun safety. And so that's the safety that I've always experienced. And it's funny because that wasn't just one area um that i worked at it it was different places different private sectors different companies that i've worked at that that all kind of had the common mentality of this checklist safety
4: because if we check the box, it's not my fault. We yeah. did it. It's got to be their fault now. It's not my fault. It's- Absolutely.
3: I, I kind of blame it on the, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we, we've always, that stigma that we've always tried to, to change throughout our, our industry. And that's operations versus safety, revenue versus non-revenue. I, I got another thing too, is, you know, one thing that I thought at the time was awesome were accident-free days. We counted the days that we were accident-free and we would celebrate with burgers and hot dogs. And, you know, if we went 365 days accident free, employees would get a cash bonus and some recognition from the region. And, and we'd celebrate with some more free food, like steak lunches. Um, <laughs> you know, we'd think that was awesome, right? You know, until we had an employee injury, I remember one employee hurt his back and he was outcasted by his coworkers, uh, and, and was required. He was required to be uh at the safety team meetings for an entire quarter. <laughs> you know, talk about punitive. You know, the safety <laughs> meetings were something that's supposed to be fun, we we're actionable, we're we're doing things right, we want to change the culture. But then you get you get this guy who's or gal who's outcasted and is shoved in the safety uh meetings, and it was just more punishment for for them. And so we were definitely sending the wrong message of why we do safety. And of course, our our main headquarters didn't see it that way. Uh, it was focused on who was accountable rather than what we could do to make sure that the same accident doesn't happen again. So, again, I don't blame anyone for that. It was just kind of a mentality. I did buy into it, mm-hmm. you know, for twenty years, twenty plus years, because that's what I thought safety was.
4: Right. Well, and that was the culture you were put into, and Correct. and it's compliance, right? So, why would I? It's compliance. This must be what you have to do to make that happen. Cause why would you challenge it?
3: Absolutely. It was client, and, and it wasn't the big deal. Um with compliance. We were we were worried a lot about department of transportation, hazardous materials, transportation of hazardous material, cradle to grave. So we were constantly trying to CYA, cover ourselves there and ensure that we, we wouldn't be find or made an example of with any um, regulatory agency. And so that was always the challenge for me um, as a safety professional. But, you know, fast forward to now, uh, the last five, six years, uh, safety's taken a big turn for, for me, you know, working here with the Marines and going through and getting my master's and I'll, I'll wave the UAB flag, University of uh, <laughs> Alabama, Birmingham, go safety blazers. Um, I, I see safety as a dynamic process that, that was way bigger than just checklists, talking with people in the industry, understanding and learning and, and meeting you know, folks like you, uh, you know, Ted and, you know, Wyatt. And, uh, I have had mentors, Rob McCarthy here over in Hawaii and, you know, just talking with like-minded individuals and understanding and having those discussions. It's funny because safety pros truly love what they do and they're passionate. We're all passionate. Uh, Where else can you have those in competing companies share so much corporate knowledge freely? Right. Very you true. Know? It's awesome. And I, I'm really part uh, happy to be part of that group.
4: So follow-up question to that, Peter, has that transformation that you've talked about over the last three to five years, do you think that's happened in part because of the multi-generational workforce and just what is accepted today from a younger worker compared to what was acceptable from an older worker?
3: I absolutely agree with that. The older worker, and I'm just speaking from experience, we see the older worker bringing to the plate a lot of experience, a lot of field experience, a lot of you know just getting in the grind and Knowledge, right? Knowledge. Knowledge and fighting through all the minutia of having to convince and get buy in and so on and so forth. Then you have this younger generation, you know, a a lot. I don't want to say a lot more educated, but having to go through um, many different resources out there. You've got tons of books, tons of certification out there. Um, You can you can go and get a degree in safety, occupation, occupational safety and health and you you have these perspectives and these these really dynamic ways of looking at uh, safety in in a different lens. And so <laughs> sometimes those forces clash, and, and it's hard. But when when they work together, you know, you have the experience versus some of the the aptitude, the uh, scholar like I, I would say perspective. It changes everything. I think. Uh, you take a look at risk in a different way instead of just looking at the who's accountable you're looking at what's the hazard and why did it happen
2: you know what are your thoughts really on how important human factors are in safety
3: oh they're very important and i never realized that until i i came here and, and worked for the marine corps and also going through some of the schoolwork that i've gone through in the studies and the research um Human factors is defined by the World Health Organization saying that uh, there are individual characteristics which which influence behavior at work in a way that can affect safety and health. And so, you know, one thing that you have to realize that I had to realize in changing my own culture is the fact that accidents will happen. It's having to change that mindset and Accidents are inevitable. It'll happen as long as humans are involved. (laughs) But outside of just seeking out who's responsible, there's got to be a why. The workforce is human and humans are infallible. Drilling down uh, to past accident causes, I've discovered that accidents can really be attributed commonly by errors or unintentional mistakes, bad decisions, poor judgment, a disregard for procedures or rules. And all of this are influenced by humans. And so it's, it really does have a, a big impact.
2: We all have something different on our mind, right? Everybody has something going on in their families or in their around them, in their work area, and stuff like that. That really can contribute to the to making a mistake, right? Because they're not necessarily focused. Even the phones, right? Even even the simple things as phones, googling it all the time and and being on there can make those uh, type of uh, mistakes real quick, you know, and, and really affect our safety. Don't you think? Absolutely,
3: absolutely, Ted. And so, and some of my research, I looked at what drives some of these influences. And we take a look at exactly what you just said, you know, um, tasks and workloads. Is the workforce working beyond its capacity? We had a great session between Gabe and uh, Wyatt several weeks ago talking about capacity and is the workforce over its capacity? Are we looking at employees and pushing them past their limits and expecting more? Uh, something's got to give what else drives these influences? Workforce environment, workplace environment. Uh, is it structured well? Right. Is it organized? Mm-hmm. You
4: know? You've got a great opportunity right now from a case study perspective. Just take Southwest Airlines and, and what happened with them here in the sta- stateside the continentals here as to what happened over the holiday break, right? That was a, a complete people failure. We had, we had no fatalities or, or airplane issues or anything like that, thank goodness, because there's rules in play from the FAA to do different things, but you talk about setting things in motion and decision making and how things happen. Um, you may have a great case study right now with Southwest Airlines to talk with some of that.
3: Absolutely, we're living it every single day. But and you can really take a look at some of the examples that happen out there. Some of the critical examples that test a company's resilience and test their workforce, and and it's it's remarkable. You know, it's remarkable and you know you take a look at you know whether or not the 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 workplace has a positive culture is there any issues with communication uh is the workforce able to speak out without fear or speak without feeling like they they'll be judged exactly what you mentioned with southwest having to adapt well and and trust in your employees and some of the other factors that i've seen uh leadership and resources you know poor leadership you know are there issues uh, are are there unclear expectations or no real direction? Uh, or what about those in the workplace? Safety workforce professionals never decisions? have to deal with
2: that, do they? <laughs> 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 I mean, everything for safety professionals is clear. Uh, there's no no questions about that. Oh my goodness, that's what keeps us that's <laughs> zero. What keeps us going. Yeah? <laughs> that's zero is the goal, going. right? It's, the expectation <laughs> is zero. <laughs> yeah, so, so we keep it all
3: consistent, right? Or how's about this one? The lack of resources, right? Uh, Or what about those in the workforce making decisions to cut corners because of the lack of resources? You know, are we giving them exactly what they need? Um, or are we just providing them or uh, for lack of terms, I guess, not providing them with, with resources and not making them successful, you know, policies, programs and procedures. Again, also some of those policies are outdated. A lot of things, um, competency and skill. Are we training? Do we have the best uh, trained individuals on the job? And really the last thing here drives these influences is employee attitude. You know, Do the employees actually care? Do they feel part of the organization? Are they vested in the organization? Are they, Are they valued, to- right? Absolutely. And that, I think that goes a long way in, in driving some of these um, human factors.
4: So, so as you have gone through... You know, going from that compliance base to probably more of a little bit proactive uh, environment that you're in today. Um, can you talk a little bit about what resilience you've had to go through and what that might mean to you and and those that you support and educate?
3: Absolutely. So, you know, one of my favorite quotes comes from pre- Peter Drucker. He's an American yes. business consultant. Yeah, he's 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 pretty great. He is, uh, and, and he he says the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence; it's the it is to act with yesterday's logic. And I, I always stumble on that, but it's, again, I'll say it again. The, the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence. It is to act with yesterday's logic. And I love this quote because turbulence, as Mr. Drucker speaks, is inevitable. It will happen. Yes, It's how we prepare ourselves for that turbulence. And this can transcend to anything in life, um, you know, whether or not it's safety, whether or not it's business, whether or not it's just being a father, a mother or anything but you know, using outdated logic and not using what we've learned from past opportunities uh, will, will prevent us from being stronger. It'll prevent us from bouncing forward. I always say bounce forward. Everyone says you bounce back. You bounce forward. Keep it positive, right? But for I love me, that. this. <laughs> this is resilience. That, that's resilience. And everyone has a different definition for resilience. It's usually based on experience, values, upbringing event
2: demographic going back to the human factors almost with that definition because it's different for everybody because everybody has a different situation
3: everyone's got a different uh, situation and everyone learns and everyone has a different um idea of what it what resilience is and you know one, one guy tells me well pete uh resilience is consistency of strength okay well you know we talked about that a little bit one other guy tells me you know it's fight the good fight this is the army guy told me but, <laughs> you know and someone else tells me being able to bounce back, even though you get knocked down multiple times. And one other guy says commitment and drive, no matter what happens, you never give up, always aim for the goal, success. And, uh, Mary Healy tells me, uh, you're able to handle strife. So, you know, there's many different definitions, but clearly the spirit of rebuilding is the spirit of becoming stronger. The spirit of rebuilding is the spirit of becoming stronger. And is the commonality here, I think, uh with, with everyone. So, you know, for me, the best meaning comes from the book Resilient by Design, written by Joseph uh Fixkel, which states resilience is a capacity to survive, adapt, and flourish in the face of turbulent change. I think that's pretty important. But, you know, for me in my experience, you know, just breaking down an organization and seeing it as a system, uh, I think that's important. Fiscal also said, and this is this is kind of interesting, and it really stayed with me for the last few years. Uh, and, and he said this regarding organizations that are structured to be resilient. He says organizations structured to be resilient are like living organisms. They adapt. They're able to adapt. They're able to respond and use sense making. So I think this is pretty interesting because when you have a system, when you engineer a system per se. It's done specifically to the task on hand. sometimes there's there's no reason for it to deviate. the The system is designed sometimes not to deviate. That stifles its way or its mechanism to be able to be resilient. And you have to be able to adapt. And again, we Ted, we talked about human factors. What it comes down to is people, and you know, especially the frontline workers are part of the organizational organization's foundation for resilience.
4: Yeah. in today's world, there's so much M&A going on and businesses being acquired by others and different things. And now you're trying to create this cross-pollination. I went through an organization, both on the buy side and on the sold side, and it was really hard to go through what those leaders were trying to do. And one culture was very focused on This is the way we do it. We follow this process and we shall not deviate. And the other organization was very entrepreneurial and you put those two things together. It's like oil and water and and success becomes very difficult. You have to figure out how to make it happen because you still need to get your product out. You still need to do it safely. You still need to make all those things happen. But it was very, very stressful going through those two culture shifts to blend them into one.
3: Absolutely, And I think just as safety pros and just being human, We can envision an end process. We can envision the end goal. But when we take a look at resiliency and the organization, like I said earlier, we have to treat that system, uh, treat that organization like a system. If you treat anything like a system, you're able to break down that system and and uncover its vulnerabilities uh, and see what's crucial in building its resiliency. The organization or, or whoever you're trying to assess will be able to See those vulnerabilities that exist or may exist, and, and then you can go ahead and rebuild and create plans and processes that'll support a, a rebound from crisis.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I I agree. I mean, change is always going to happen, so prepare ourselves best that we can and uh hope that we're prepared. But we really don't want to hope, we want to be there, right? Correct, hope Absolutely. is not the plan. <laughs> no, <Nope>, hope <laughs> is not the plan, that's for sure. <laughs>
3: But you know what? Bottom line is failures can occur in the crisis anyway. And, and it's not if it's when it happens, but it happens, especially with systems and processes that are not designed to have the ability to, to deviate from the original plan, as, as mentioned earlier. But I think when we have a well-trained staff and we trust the people that we have to make uh, crucial decisions, I think it'll minimize risk and, and keep everyone and everything as safe as possible.
4: That was a key right there is develop the opportunity to create the trust, let people do the job that they were hired to do and give them the right tools. Um, and so they can be successful, follow. right? Yeah. One thing I really liked uh, that you said that I think is
2: something that I hope a lot of safety professionals are can take away from this show is inspect what you expect. I really like that saying. So when you do the, the stuff that. You do the inspection. What are you expecting? Make sure. I, I really like that. I think that's something that uh, a lot of our safety professionals that are listening and business owners that are listening can take away from the show. So thank you very much, Peter. But as you know, I'm the safety uh, positive coach. And what I'd like to do is uh, have some fun with you now. The question is, are you ready? Cause I know you love these jokes.
3: Oh, it's, oh, I see. I know where you're going with this. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm ready. You. Know?
2: Because this is where you really had a study last night was to get ready for uh, Ted Speaks jokes. Well,
3: you know, I've listened to the podcast before and I always get a kick out of it. But it's funny because the jokes aren't anything new for me. I've always, you know, I've always used it as an icebreaker in our safety meetings. And, you know, we we have a lot of success and we have a lot of failures with the jokes. (laughs) You know, something to have 40 people in front of you and you tell them a joke and no one laughs. And, you know, it's funny. And I'll I'll kind of deviate here a little bit. Absolutely. we had a safety meeting and i i see this guy gino on the on the and he's this big boisterous dude and he's really funny and he he himself has a bunch of dad jokes so i said gino i'm gonna be in this meeting and it's gonna i want to do a really corny joke it's a safety joke kind of corny but do me a favor and just laugh no matter what (laughs) and he says okay you got it pete no no problem so i said this joke and i think it's it's really corny i said why are hippies Never safe. And no one could answer it. And everyone has this face, you know, like, what? Well, what is it? And I said, well, because they're constantly tripping. And no one <laughs> laughed. And Gino, who was assigned to laugh, didn't laugh. And I said, oh, oh Gino, goodness, Gino, come he on, man. He <laughs> <laughs> But that did not discourage me. It kept going with the jokes anyway uh, throughout the years. But
2: anyway. Yeah, you know, Barbara and I have had arguments over the joke section of our, of our podcast. And I always say, you know what, I get so many emails and stuff like that saying, you know what, your jokes are kind of silly, but it put a smile on my face. And I think when we talk about safety, I think it's important to keep that upbeat positiveness to it rather than the other side, because that's how people are going to pay attention. So anyway, are you ready? Oh, I'm, I'm ready. Okay. What do you get when you cross a polar bear with a seal? A polar bear with a seal when you cross.
3: Oh, this is, this is white knuckle stuff right here.
2: Go ahead. Well, it's not necessarily in your area, but a polar bear. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: uh, the, the seal loses. You may not want to use that on your, uh, with your marine
2: guy. No, they, they may not like that one.
4: Yeah, I know. So here, here you go. Um, what did the dad buffalo say when he took his son to college? Ooh, What? Bison. <laughs> uh. Well, hey. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> no one said they were going to be good yeah they're just, they're hey, just but,
2: there but you chuckled so that that's that's important yeah uh, you're better and I, than gino yes exactly that's,
3: that's half the battle getting some, somebody to chuckle i got one i got one and All this right. is kind of falls in line with with Hawaii and who we are here but what did the ocean say to the beach
2: ocean say to the beach Ooh,
4: life's a party something about waves maybe something about <laughs> a wave i don't know
3: <laughs> nothing it
2: just waved
4: <laughs> I was close. I just couldn't put a mm-hmm. sentence that,
2: together. That sure you were, Brad. Sure you were. Hey, uh, <laughs> thanks, Peter, for being on uh, Ted Speaks today. Um, if anybody wanted to get a hold of you and maybe learn more about you, how would they go about doing that? Oh, you can call my 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 number here. It's 808-389-7459.
3: I'll put that out there for anyone. Or you can reach me on my uh, via email. And that's evans.peter.com. E-V-A-N-S, nine two at gmail.com and i'll be happy to connect with anyone i'm also on linkedin so if anyone wants to connect there uh i'm i'm here for for anyone i'd love to have discussions after the after this uh with anyone
2: uh and so yeah we'll keep it open sounds good thank you uh peter for being on ted speaks and have a super safe day thank you absolutely very much. you do as well thank you
0: Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com. Or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week.